0: Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. I'm SWE President Dana Johnson, and welcome to Diverse, a SWE podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at SWE Diverse Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by speaker, author, and social impact advisor, Michelle Sullivan. Michelle is also the former president of Caterpillar Foundation and director of corporate social innovation at Caterpillar Inc., During her 30 years at Caterpillar, Michelle transformed it from nearly transactional to global and strategic. Michelle was also named by Inside Philanthropy as one of the 50 most powerful women in philanthropy and also served as a U.S. delegate to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. Michelle, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's an honor for me to be here.
0: And I'm so excited to have you coming to WE22 to speak to us at the closing keynote on Saturday. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. And I know that this will be far from your first time speaking. So I'm a little curious as to how you first got into speaking.
1: Well, thank you. I'm excited for the October event as well. I can't wait. So it really started in high school, believe it or not, when people who knew me, asked me to speak at different church events, and then it went into business events, et cetera. And a little bit in college, but not much, you know, in college, you're kind of busy with other things. And then as I went into the business world, it didn't pick up right away. Once in a while, I do one here and one there. But when I took over the Caterpillar Foundation 23 years into my career, which was in about 2011, and I was out traveling the world. You know, you speak on the work that we're doing with our partners. And so it kind of picked up again. And as I was a couple of years from my pending retirement, I knew I wanted to retire at 30 years and go do more speaking and social impact work on my own. And it kind of started picking up from there. And so as my book came out, In 2020, obviously, you know, you do a lot of speaking around that. And it's really during COVID, my book, Looking Up, really kind of hit a spot about while COVID was definitely one of the biggest challenges the world has ever seen in terms of a pandemic, there were also some positives that came out of it. So I continue to speak like at your event, which I'm incredibly excited about. And I speak on a variety of topics, and I enjoy meeting the people the most, to be honest. And, you know, they always impact me as well. Everybody thinks that I go just to see if I can make an impact. But when I hear the questions and get to meet the folks before and after, it's really uh, quite exciting in terms of we all have a story, don't we? And I really love that.
0: We do. I love the way you just spun that. I think that getting to meet people that even if you're not trying to necessarily impact, I think that the words we say always have such a lasting impact on people, even if it's one-on-one conversations. Right. I know, I know I've know. i talked to people like months or years after I've said something and they say, oh, you know, when you said this to me, it really left an impact. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. So it's right. it's great to hear you say that.
1: You know, but it's the- interesting. It's, people will always remember how you made them feel. Absolutely. And it's important that we remember that when something doesn't go right or, you know, we all have our days, right? Absolutely. And it's important to take a step back and I'm exactly like that. And, you know, words can either melt a heart or break a heart.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so true. I, I think of the the issues where I've left and I've felt very upset, depressed, concerned with the outcome of something. And it's, it's almost always because of the words that were said during that situation.
1: Yeah. And I've certainly made mistakes. I mean, I'll be the first to admit it. And I really try every day, you know, to melt more hearts.
0: (laughs) Excellent. I love that melt more hearts. Real quick, I suspect that there are people who do not know about the Caterpillar Foundation. Could you fill us in a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So Caterpillar is the sole funder of the Caterpillar Foundation, which is the philanthropic arm of the company, and it was created in 1952. And I took over in 2011 for about seven and a half years, and at the time, it really had three pillars: it was basic human needs which we classified as food, water, shelter, and energy, education, particularly early on, because that makes the biggest impact and sets people on the right road. And then also the environment, because that's critically important to everyone in the world. And then we also had a bit of a area that went across all of that. And that was to, when we could focus on girls and women, because we worked really in the most extreme poverty cases is what we focused on and so when you see extreme poverty it's definitely the women that make the family go but what i mean by that is if you know the woman say in africa is you know busy getting water like their daughters and the boys go to school and they get married off at 10, the likely success of that 10-year-old is very small. But just like here, and, you know, let's say if you're in the United States, you know, if we all were honest, and I'll ask this during during my talk, you know, in your house, you know, who makes the family really go? (laughs)
0: Well, my husband would be the first to tell you.
1: Yeah, it was you, right? It's
0: not him. We'll put it that way, <laughs> yeah, there
1: you go, exactly. And you know, you know, I spoke to a predominantly male group not long ago, and I asked a question, and you know, they're honest about it. They go, the wife makes the family go. They do the scheduling, they the kids, you know, mostly the house, and you know, they just are the glue that makes everything, you know, come together. and so, we knew that also, especially for those in poverty. So we focused on that. So when I took over in 2011, I was the first woman and only about the fifth person or sixth person that led the foundation since 1952. Because once oh, wow. you get the job, you don't leave it. Like <laughs> the person, not the one just before me, he was in it three years, but before that was in it 20 some years.
0: Oh my goodness. And
1: so you know, we invested globally, we invested especially where we had facilities, and then also in areas that was in you know incredible need. And so in in our seven and a half years, due to our partners on the ground, we we documented that we impacted at least 50 million people. and you know it's all due our partners on the ground. And so it was it impacted me more than I ever thought. I've always been involved in not for profit since a teenager when I was in Little People of America. I, I was born with a rare form of dwarfism, and there's an organization, you know, for people under 410. And I, you know, had all kinds of roles in that. So not-for-profits always been in my blood, and so is Caterpillar, because my dad worked at Cat and retired. My sister works at Cat. So we're definitely a Caterpillar family and that that role really brought those two passions together for me, and it impacted me more than I ever imagined i It just changed my life, my outlook, and I didn't expect all of that to be honest.
0: That's amazing. I'm guessing that's a lot of the reason why people don't leave that job once they get in.
1: mhm, mm-hmm. right. And the partners we work with are tremendous. Excellent. Mm -hmm.
0: I love hearing that. I think that really ties back to your point about melt more hearts. It's not always just the words you say, it's the actions you take through these nonprofits as well.
1: Right. Exactly. And we all can make that happen. And I'll talk about that in
0: Excellent. Excellent. I can't wait to hear about it. Mm -hmm. I suspect a lot of what you've talked about so far though really resonated while you were writing that book. And I want to talk a little bit about that book which I've got here titled as Looking Up How a Different Perspective Turns Obstacles into Advantages. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind that book.
1: Thank you for that. You know, for quite a few years, people would tell me, Michelle, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. And I always thought and still think that we all have a story. So I didn't think mine is any different. And I certainly didn't want to write a book about myself. I don't have that exciting of a life. So, but as I got about three years, three and a half years from my 30 years, I really started planning for, you know, my next phase. And so I started thinking about what could a book look like? And all the people I met, some who are living barely in a hut with the, you know, dirt floor, et cetera, in the middle of nowhere where you might find my iPhone so surely doesn't work. <laughs> and there's not even a road. And just all of a sudden the village pops up or in developed countries like the United States, when you go into some of the areas in poverty, it's just striking, you know, the work we have in front of us. Absolutely. And when I met the people though, At the end of the day, you know, we all have the same aspirations. We want to be uh, successful in whatever that looks like for you. We want our family to be successful and you want to thrive and you just want to feel that, you know, you're doing, living your best life. And no matter where I went, everybody wanted that. And, you know, a lot of the people in, you know, some of the areas that were, you know, very challenging. They were happy, you know, they had their acre of maize or in the United States, you know, they had their family, they were trying to get their kids to school safely. Whatever the case was, they wanted the same thing that I want. We want to, you know, have a, a successful life and feel like, you know, you're providing for your family. And so I thought, what if I included their stories and how I look up to them? because I look up to a lot of people. I would not be where I am if people didn't help me along the way, support me in whatever way. And so when you think about the success you've had in life, big or little, rarely do you do it all by yourself. There are people behind you. And so I wanted to write about the people who I look up to, who have looked up to me and those that I, worked with through the foundation that will never know how I feel about them. So I wanted this to be a book to let them know how they've impacted my life. So looking up is about, you know, when you walk in a room, do you only go to the people who look like you? Or do you walk up and, you know, to someone that doesn't look like you and see that they have value as well and take that away and also let them know who you are. And so in the book, I talk about making the first move and letting your guard down, you know, being little, I obviously stood out, right? (laughs) (laughs) I still do. And so, you know, I don't know if I came out talking or I developed it, but I definitely have the gift of gab. (laughs) And I don't know if I developed talking to people first, because, you know, people shy away when you're different. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always the first to talk, to try and break the ice, so to speak. And so that's kind of where, you know, I learned to, if I make the first move and let my guard down, we all have vulnerability. And let me tell you, it's really hard sometimes to break through that vulnerability and, and you know, talk to someone that obviously, you know, doesn't know what to think when they see me. And so, and it doesn't always work. You know, sometimes you're like, all right, we're going to walk away from this. (laughs) But uh you know, we all have those moments and we all have our challenges. In my TED talk, I speak about, you know, you can see some of my challenges, obviously, with my size, my orthopedic challenges. But, you know, I have a lot of the same issues everybody else does demands, et cetera. And, and you know, there are people who have, you know, right now, tons of financial issues. Some are dealing with, say, infertility issues. Some are dealing with mental challenges, which, are incredibly difficult for many reasons. One, finding something that works, but we can't see it. You know, you can see my physical challenges. We can't see that someone is struggling with depression or something. And so we really have to learn the art of grace. And also, even though you can't walk in my size one shoes, (laughs) you can walk beside me and I wanna walk beside you, whatever your challenges are. And that's in the book as well. And it's about vulnerability, letting your guard down, making the first move. And we all have that at work, but think about how much we have in our personal life. And that's really the substance of the book is we all have value and let's all lean on each other. And it's important that we not only lean on others, but allow them to lean on us.
0: I think that's so important. And I'm really looking forward to this speech in October because I I would say personally that vulnerability and letting my guard down is something I am not good at. So I hope to be inspired a little bit. I really enjoyed you talking about your gift of gab. I think that (laughs) that's, that's funny. First of all, I also want to remind you that you're going to be surrounded by engineers and stereotypically, we don't have that. So I'm looking forward to you pulling some folks out of their shells a little bit and chatting with them. Yes. I think, I think that'll be really exciting to see. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. I am aware it's engineers. And <laughs> uh, but I I will do my best. You know, I I show my vulnerability coming out there. Sure. You know, on my scooter and and trying to keep their attention, you know, for 30, 40 minutes. And I'll be honest, you know, during COVID, we did it on Zoom, which Does not have the same impact as if I'm there in person. So I'm really excited that it's in person because, you know, I'm basically, you know, talking about my challenges, but also how I get through them and what will work for you. And to let you know that it's okay not to be okay sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it does, I'll be honest, especially for men you know, it's sometimes viewed as weakness, especially at work. And that's a real thing. It was for me, it still remains that I believe today in a lot of cultures. And we have to keep talking about that, you know, it's not a weakness. You know, the title of my TED talk is asking for help is a strength, not a weakness.
0: Absolutely. I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's something as a parent, I feel like I've also had to get really good at that, there's only so much one person can do. And, and I'm throwing out the parent card, but I think we should all be comfortable with that. We should all get used to asking for help, whether right. it's personal life or work or whatever.
1: Right. And I'll talk about, you know, all the women there. I'm going to, you know, I do it in some version, but basically I'll ask, you know, how much time this week have you taken for yourself and let others take the lead so that you can step back? Well,
0: now that we know that question's coming, yep. hopefully we can to <laughs> the answer.
1: <laughs> yep. And you know, my favorite proverb, uh, African proverb is, no matter how long the night, the dawn will always break. Mm-hmm. Meaning, remember, tomorrow we get to start over.
0: That's a really good one as well. I wish I would have written down all of the good quotes that you've said, but fortunately, this is a podcast, so I can go back and listen (laughs) to them and write them on on little post-it notes and stick them on my wall. Yep. Now, one of the other things you said about this book is that it came out in 2020. So I Mm -hmm. think that that's a a very relevant time in all of our histories. And I'm wondering what that initial response was when that book came out.
1: You know, I got to be honest, it came out. At the end of February, and I had I was all excited. It it took two years. It's a full two-year process with the publisher agent and everything to do a book. And keep in mind I was doing this while I was working. Because there were several times I thought, what have I done? I can't <laughs> believe I did this. And you know, when you sign with the publisher, you know, you have a drop-dead date. So it's not sure. like I can't say I'm busy because <laughs> that wasn't gonna apply. So <laughs> so In February, I was in New York doing press, L.A., and Denver. And I came home on a Sunday night from those three cities. And then Monday, everything shut down. This was the end of February. And to be honest, I thought, all right, let's give this till May, get it calmed down and move on. I didn't know what May. I didn't know it was two years later, May. I didn't specify the year in my head. You know, I'm thinking, well, okay, like everybody else, right? I didn't right. Know, I didn't know about it. So, I and then as it, you know, went on, the only thing on the news you could argue for the next 6 to 8 months was covid, right? There mm-hmm. nothing else happened. Nothing. Yes. And so, I thought you got to be kidding me. You know, two years of my life and we're in a pandemic. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I believe in fate. I go, there must be a reason here. I'm going to be patient and figure it out what it is. So, after things started calming down, because, you know, all the speaking stopped, the conferences stopped, everything, the school visits, the college visits, everything. Sure. And so, but then starting in late summer, early fall, there started to be other things and people found out about Zoom, right? And <laughs> it, it's amazing. So then, when people realized about the book, and they had been written in People and Forbes and others, so it was out there. There just weren't places to engage because we were still figuring it out, if you think about it, how are we going to work, you know, and all that. Mm -hmm. So then they realized, you know, the book's actually very relevant. We have to look up and figure out there's a good perspective here. And while people lost many loved ones, it's just Mm -hmm. Hard to speak about. Mm-hmm. And also people now are suffering from long COVID as well. Right, right. And we I don't think to be honest, we've got our head around that yet. No pun intended. I don't think we know what that means yet.
0: Right. And I
1: think they're going to be studying us for the next hundred years about what we did right and what we did wrong and and the impact on the children, especially. So right. they figured out, oh, we have to find the good in this. And if you think about it, you checked on your neighbors. You know, kids came home from college. My next door neighbor, were, you know, all three kids were in college for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden they were all home, and the parents had made the rooms into different <laughs> rooms and everything. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you have a full nest again, which you know at first was awkward, but then so many people have said it was so great to have that year and a half to two years with my children, who now were friends. Right by college, mm-hmm. you're usually friends, not mm-hmm. you know so much a parent, right? And, you know, we became closer in a lot of ways, and a lot of positive came out of it. And so I started speaking about that and trying to turn people's perspective around, because it took me a long while, let me tell you. And so, you know, we pretty much shut our house down like most people. Mm -hmm. And um, so the book really started up again, and the speaking and it's, you know, continues to go today, because I speak on a variety of subjects. So it just, at the front I was like you got to be kidding me what kind of timing is this but then it's still going today so it worked out
0: think of all of the zoom skills you've acquired
1: yeah zoom webex you name it i got it <laughs> on my computer and things i hadn't even heard of you know teams and i mean i had heard of them but sure. i always have to look in the note what are what's the person using because right. it's, there's so many and And think about innovation, they say, has jumped a decade ahead because we had to. Right, That's amazing. Because
0: we had to, absolutely. Yeah,
1: Taking that
0: different perspective, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you check on your neighbors and, you know, the shut-ins, you know, go to the store for them, you know, the elderly especially or Mm -hmm. or people who can't get out. But I will tell you, it's a challenge emotionally. Even for me, you know, getting out again is is interesting because, you know, knock on wood, I haven't gotten it. I'm vaccinated, but you know, I'm still I was on a plane recently and I was one of only two that had a mask on, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. And and as outgoing as I am, you know, it did temper me for those two and a half years, actually almost three years, right? So it is, I do feel that, you know. It's still lingering, but it's a lot better than it was.
0: Absolutely. No, I I feel like as an extrovert, and I'm sure you can relate, it was a very hard couple of years. Yes. I love my family, but most of them are introverts. And they were very tired of me by by the time things started to open (laughs) back up. Yeah. Very tired of me, but that's okay. I hope they learned to love me in new and different ways.
1: Yeah, but, I drive my family crazy sometimes. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I wake up early, ready to go. I doesn't, I don't need coffee or anything. I'm like, boom, let's go, and they're like, wait, wait, wait. You know, by ten o'clock they're ready to go. You know, I've been up for three hours. Like, right, let's go. What people. are we doing? You know, but so it did temper me a bit, but I can't say I liked it because Fair. I am an extrovert. Yeah,
0: my children <laughs> did get a lot of extra time in nature. We did a lot of hikes outside. Yes. Back when being inside was bad and being outside was good. We found lots of new hikes in the area and took the kids out there. So I'd like to see the positive in that. I got a lot of whining from them, but I'd like to think that there was a silver lining there.
1: There is. I call that making memories. My life and my family, we are about not things. We're not about things. Mm -hmm. We're definitely about making memories.
0: I agree. I think that's super important. We've tried to push towards those experiences for gifts instead of the actual okay. things you unwrap. And it's made it so much more meaningful. Okay. okay. So speaking of traveling to some different areas that we've hiked, those were all much closer to us. But I know that for your work and your time as a speaker, I'm sure you've traveled much further. What are some of the more rewarding travels you've been on for that line of work or experiences that you've been through?
1: You know, I've been to places I never thought I would go, and it was all because of the work. And also, I don't travel alone. I travel with someone, so my mom got that most of the time. She was my travel companion, which was priceless. Excellent. And, you know, overseas, there was some tremendous work being done. For example, we partnered with the State Department and not-for-profit And we opened together, you know, it's like the three legged stool the not for profit, the for profit, and government, Mm -hmm. public, private, and cost sectors. We came together and opened the first women's entrepreneurs on the continent of Africa. Oh, wow. Which was in Zambia. And it's still going strong today. They have several thousand women that go through in any period of time, and they help them with business cases. Uh, computers, everything. Everything that we would need, these women, they need it and they want it. And they're they're changing their lives and their families' lives and the communities, all because of this Women's Entrepreneur Center. It was amazing. And then in Rwanda, access to water was a big focus for us, whether it was hooking up to a tap. For instance, in India, you can pay up to a thousand dollars just to hook up to a tap. And people like Charity Water or water.org in particular, they have it down to about $8 to hook somebody up. They take out an $8 loan. That's amazing. And that's life-changing, but in Rwanda, in the remote parts of Rwanda, you know, there's not a tap to hook up to, you have to do the well. So I worked with a particular district and the people live on top of the mountains, but the water is of course at the bottom. So as you go there and you start your way up the mountain, Every day you saw the girls, you know, 6 to 12 years old maybe, carrying those 40-gallon yellow cans of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do we get the water from the bottom up to the top, etc.? So, again, we partnered with the government, Charity Water, and some other companies that were involved that helped fund it. The government brought power, and then pumps were put in, and they pumped the water. 1,500 meters straight up.
0: Oh, wow. Great.
1: And then Charity Water was involved. It was called the Pipeline Project. And then it went into these uh, holding places. And then everybody was within a certain number of feet to get access to the clean water. And when it got all done, I think it's close to this, 98 to 99% of the children, which was mostly girls, were in school now because... Uh, 98% of the people had access to water, and it just was changing everybody's lives. And later that day, I went to an area that didn't have it yet, water, access to water, and theirs was coming at the end of the year. And I was so excited, it's very emotional because you don't realize how it changes their life because if they do have water, it's all dirty, they get sick and everything else. And, you know, I said, you know what, what are you most looking forward to with the water? And they, you know, some would say, my girls are going to be in school. Some will say, we're not going to get sick. You know, it just, and I, in December, I just emailed and I said, you know, did the water go in and how are they doing? Because that just doesn't leave you,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: And sure. that's what I write about in the book. I mean, they want what we have. And, you know, when I'm sitting there brushing my teeth, you better believe I turned the water off. Mm -hmm. when I'm not, you know, using it. And it's just, it absolutely impacted me. And then in the United States, when you go into these areas that have poverty and you see how they live and that the children don't, they don't know what they don't have, to be honest. And so I was with this group and they live three miles from the river and the river separates two towns here. And a lot of times they live, you know, In housing, and they basically live behind a fence, which is sad. So I talked to the children because I went often because I really wanted to hear what the parents and the children needed and what their concerns were and how we could help. And this girl goes, I want to know what's across that bridge. And it it was the bridge two miles away, and she had never been across the bridge. And I had to take a break because it really, it really, took me down. And I said, you know, I'll I'll be right back. And I had to go outside and gather myself. Yeah. Because I thought this, you know, we can't do this. So what we ended up doing, we did several projects. We started a program. We're an hour from the Abraham Lincoln Museum, which is the second most visited presidential library. And they actually, Disney was involved. And you actually see they kind of bring Lincoln to life through lasers. It's really cool. And so we funded for the children to be bused there and get out and actually learn about it. And we did things like that to get the children out and really start to dream.
0: That's awesome. I, both stories, I got goosebumps listening. I know. To you talk it's, about it. it's- I
1: wish everybody could see it.
0: I think it goes back to your point about melt more hearts. It's way more than just words that makes those hearts melt for sure. It's Mm -hmm. it's these actions that Mm -hmm. leave that impact with these people for for so long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I get so excited. You know, I'd be like, they sent us letters to kids after they got from the museum and, and I have all these meetings and the letters would come and I'd be like, cancel the meeting. I got to read the letters. (laughs) You know, that was my priority. And, And then I'd go visit the school later, you know, and they'd come running up and they go, oh, and we got lunch at Subway. There's a Subway. (laughs) And we got lunch because, you know, they they didn't have lunch. That was their meal. Matter of fact, it was a problem because we had them going where they ate lunch first and then went in the museum. And, you know, you can't take food, you know, in the museum. Right, Right. Well, the kids were putting their half sandwiches in their pockets (laughs) for later. Well, of course, it went bad. Right. Right. So they call me and say, Michelle, we don't think this program's working. I said, oh, well, what's the problem? The kids won't, they're putting the sandwiches in their pocket and they won't give it up. I said, oh, I said, well, what if we leave in the morning, do the museum first and then eat and have coolers on the bus? And we'd have a bag where each could put their, each child could put their whatever lunch they had left and we keep it in a cooler. So we tried that. Changed everything. It was amazing. You know, they were not. And but it was sad because that was their meal. Right, that was it? And I I'm just impressed. You're engineering a solution
0: here. I I know yeah. you're not an engineer by degree, but look at you go.
1: Yeah, and I missed it. I didn't think of that. Isn't that? <laughs> I thought I totally missed that piece, but we fixed it. So it's all great. It. Yeah, yeah, we did. That's the important <laughs> part.
0: Excellent. <laughs> I want to close a little bit by talking about your TED talk, which I know that you've mentioned at least once or twice so far. And the title of that is Asking for Help is a Strength, Not a Weakness. And I know you've highlighted some different instances of that so far. I've highlighted personally how I try to do that and definitely need to do it more. Is there anything else relevant from that TED talk that you want to pull on before we close out for today?
1: Thank you. You know, that TED talk was interesting. If anybody's done one, It was a great opportunity, but boy, oh, boy, that was that was tough. It actually when I gave that tech talk, it was the first time I got through it without breaking down and I was like, please, God, if I break because I'm a I'm a blubbering idiot about that. (laughs) And I go, please, God, help me. And the part that got me was when I would talk about we need help. Like we don't do anything on our own Mm -hmm. and there's people there. And it's like, we need to acknowledge that and, you know, and know that it's okay to ask for help, but we're taught to be independent. Mm -hmm. You know, we're supposed to lead independent lives. And there's a chapter in my book, we thrive because of people, not in spite of them. And so we're most successful when we're interdependent. And so remember that, you know, you thrive because of people, not in spite of them. And also, you know, always try to give grace. And sometimes I fail. I'm frustrated if, you know, they don't have something or the big game's on TV and the cable's out. And I'm like, the cable's <laughs> out? How can the cable be out? Like, you know, we're Cardinal fans and the big game was on and it said, oh, we're updating the satellite. And I called and I go, you're at two o'clock in that. This is the final game. How can you update the satellite? <laughs> And I go, can't you do that at midnight? He goes, nope, we're doing it now. And I caught myself. I go, these are first world problems. I go, thank you. <laughs> I go, you go ahead. And it, you know, I was like, you know, let's get our perspective straight here. And you do have to step back, don't you? Because I do tell myself a lot. My hot water heater went out, and I had two big graduation parties. Of course, I didn't know that the heat heater water heater went out. And I called, and I go, yeah, I'll come in a couple of days. And I went, what? <laughs> a couple of days? He goes, yeah. I go, okay, because you know I have water; mm-hmm. it's just not hot. And I mm-hmm. said, that's okay, that's okay. So I wore a hat. <laughs> <laughs> they need
0: try shampoo. You're good. We've got this.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's you know all right. I can do this. It's okay. It's- Inconvenient, but you know what? I have water. I yeah, it's that's okay. (laughs) It's
0: great great to put those things in perspective.
1: Yes. And the book is about looking up and people say, where'd the title come from? Honest to God, it came to me in the shower. (laughs) In my contract with the publisher, I said that I had significant input on the title. I wanted to make sure they didn't play off my size or something, you know, something that Mm -hmm, wasn't going to fly. And it came to me looking up because my whole life, obviously being four feet, I look up to almost everybody, literally, Sure. but I have learned to look up to people figuratively mm-hmm. and that's what we have to do. So looking up is about, we all have value, let's find it in each other and support each other. And that's where the title came from. And I was in the shower when that happened. Isn't that I funny?
0: love it. I think some of our best thoughts come while we're in the shower and it's probably because yeah. there's nothing else there to distract us.
1: Yeah, nobody's in there. Well, you know, but the <laughs> I get kid, lots of interruptions. Yeah. I mean, the kid, you know, I mean, yeah, but you do have some peace usually in the shower. Usually. and
0: I, It's usually because I say, yes, go watch TV. I don't care.
1: <laughs> or the iPad, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if one thing's happened over the pandemic, that's good. And then, you know, I'll end it with this. If we haven't learned anything except we are all one, mm-hmm. the whole world is one. This brought us to our knees. Mm -hmm. And we also came up off our knees together. And we have to continue to work together, you know, on things that impact all of us. And who would have thought that we would have been brought to our knees like that? Right. Right. But here we are. We're on the. We're coming out of this. You know, here we go. Here we go. let's, (laughs) Let's remember what we learned and we love each other and let's go we have more similarities than we do differences and i'm really tired of us focusing on our differences we have to focus on our similarities as one people absolutely and keep looking up because the view is great it is i love that i love
0: that so much thank you michelle for taking that time today to speak with me I cannot meet to meet you in person in Houston. I'm so looking yes. forward to your discussion with
1: us. And I will sign a book for anybody that wants. Uh, I've made Excellent. time. I will stay there. I stay the whole night for anybody that wants to talk or whatever they'd like to do.
0: You've inspired me. I want to read it. But the three main takeaways I've got today so far, and I'm sure there's more, but these are the ones that kept resonating with me. Give grace. We thrive because of people, not in spite of them. And melt more hearts. So I hope that I can at least continue for now to take these with me until the next thing derails me and I forget the fact that it's a first (laughs) world problem, right? Right. So I I purposely typed them up so I can keep looking at that and let them resonate with me a little bit more. But I really appreciated those three themes.
1: Thank you. I'll leave me with one thought for everybody. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, we go together.
0: Love that so much.
1: Thanks. Love it so much.
0: Thank you for that, Michelle. I'm Thank Dana you. Johnson, and from all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, all together at altogether.swe.org.